The madness may last another full decade. The United States housing crisis continues to build. Many experts fear that it will get worse before it gets better. Young couples especially are struggling to find their own home to buy. Over the last 20 years, the U.S. has built fewer homes than necessary to keep up with population growth. 6.5 million fewer homes, to be exact. Now it's coming back to bite us. People are offering tens of thousands of dollars over asking prices and being outbid at that. But it's a numbers game. And until enough houses are built, things can't get better. This housing crisis shows that things aren't going the way we want. But what about the more hard-to-see signs? Loneliness, depression, and anxiety are also on the upswing in our COVID world. Only in Jesus is there hope in the midst of the madness. My peace I give to you. One day, every crisis will come to an end. Welcome to Haven Today here on Monday. I'm Charles Morris, sharing the great story that's all about Jesus. And we're starting up a series called Christ in the Darkness. Ah, it's summertime. Don't you just love that Gershwin tune performed by Louis Armstrong and Ella Fitzgerald? Typically, summer is one of the best times of year for mental health. More daylight, more outdoor activities, more time with family and friends. But once again, we are facing an abnormal summer. For many, it seems like the storm clouds just won't ever lift. Many are full of fear and anxiety. Mental health issues are rising. Even Christians are feeling the heaviness of our world's current troubles. But if you're a Christian, here's some really good news. Jesus joins us in the darkness of our world. His light shines hope in our hearts. And that's what I want to do in these next few minutes together. Shine Christ's light into our darkness. And I couldn't think of anyone better to help do this than my friend, a St. Louis pastor and a seminary professor, Dr. Zach Heswine. We don't have a general, he said, who sits at the back and sends the soldiers forward. Uh, we have a general who goes first, who goes at the front of the line and charges into the darkness and uh, leads the way. And so the sorrowing have a savior. Zach Heswine will be back with us in a moment to talk about how we can shine Christ's light in our own lives today. And we'll also talk about the darkness Charles Spurgeon faced in his own day back in the late 1800s. He too struggled with depression, real depression. He was open about it. And he was also open about how his Savior helped him in his time of need. After the program, I'd like to send you a copy of the book that Zach wrote called Spurgeon's Sorrows for your gift to the ministry. I've read it. And I believe it's a must-read for every Christian facing depression or anxiety, whether personally or to help you better understand a friend or family member who is. And if you didn't get it last week, we still have Jay Stalker's quietly instrumental album for your gift. You can hear some of it under me right now. Our number to call after the program is 800 654 
865 Haven. Or visit our website. Listen to some of the samples we have from the album there. And read more about Spurgeon's sorrows at haventoday.org. Haventoday.org. And now let's open with some music. The Gettys and Salem. He will hold me fast. When I fear my faith will fail, Christ will hold me fast. When the tempter would prevail, He will hold me fast. I could never keep my
my Savior. This is Haven Today, and we're in a new series this week. The series is called Christ in the Darkness, and it comes following the series that we did last week called Christ in the Chaos. Darkness, it's not something we appreciate very much. Let's go to St. Louis, a pastor that we had on last year, Dr. Zach Eswine. He's a pastor. He teaches preaching at Covenant Seminary. Zach, you were on with me last summer about this time. Welcome back again. Thank you so much, Charles. It's really good to be with you today. You know, we talked a lot through the months of last summer, besides having you on the air. We talked about how bad things were. COVID and there were riots in in the streets of some cities of America. On and on it went last summer. There are a lot of people... We hear from them because they call us and ask for prayer, who are saying it's darker now than it was even then. So what's the word from your pastor's study in St. Louis? We lament, don't we? We feel the, the reality of that darkness, and we, we long for Jesus, and we, we grapple with you know, his statement that we'll, we'll be the light of the world, and we're wondering how. <laughs> How is it that we're mm. light in the midst of this darkness when we feel so much a part of the darkness or drawn drawn down by it or suffocated by it? How could we be light? And uh, that's had me thinking about the little book of James mm. uh, in, in an interesting way because James was staying back in Jerusalem. He wrote his letter to Christians who were fleeing in the midst of harassment and trial. They were becoming refugees, having to settle in places that weren't their home. And James, as a pastor, is writing this letter to them in the midst of these many trials that they're undergoing. And there's a little promise that he mentions that I never applied to the darkness in this way. I always applied it to just the need for clarity. He says, yes. if any of you lacks wisdom, ask God. Ask for it. Yes. Yeah. Ask God and he'll give it. And and wonderfully, I, I've thought of that in relationship to decisions that we have to make. But more and more, I've been seeing that promise as much richer and more, more full and really applied to the, the darkness those early Christians were facing. And it goes something like this. When James said, ask God for wisdom and he will give it, what did James mean when he mm. said wisdom? Mm. And so you read his letter and you realize that he talks about wisdom in other places in his letter. In chapter 3, he tells us plainly what he means by wisdom. He talks about wisdom from below and wisdom from above. And the wisdom from below are things like selfish ambition and bitter jealousy and being false. And the wisdom from above are things like peaceableness, gentleness, open to reason, full of mercy. It's almost like Paul's fruits of the flesh and fruit of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. And it, it's it got be. me thinking, what if James is saying in the midst of your trial, if you lack wisdom, what if James means 
if you lack the wisdom from above in the midst of your trial, ask God and mm. he will give it. Mm. Then what, what, what's it like for us to just name the darkness, get honest about its own infiltration into our own heart, set our longing to be light in front of him and our difficulty with it, and then simply ask him for the wisdom from above, the good fruit, in Paul's language, the fruit of the Spirit, that it, we need in order to be light in a dark world. We just get to ask him for it. And that would mm. mean we plead mm. our weakness. Mm. That's how Charles Spurgeon used to say it. Mm. We get to plead our weakness and ask him for the strength. Zach, we first had you on because you wrote that book called Spurgeon's Sorrows. All the depression that probably the most well-known preacher outside of the Bible we've ever had, Charles Spurgeon. But it came out of your own depression in your life. You don't have to unpack all of that for me, but just remind some of our listeners who didn't hear you last year what you've had to face in your life. Spurgeon would help us so much. He would say that our depression can come from one of three sources or all of them together. And uh, the first source is our chemistry, you know, our, our biology. And the second source is our situation, you know, our circumstances. And then our, our third source would be our conscience or a spiritual depression and how all three of those things go together. And I certainly have known circumstantial challenges that uh, remain with me are difficult to overcome mm-hmm. in, a, in any kind of immediate way. Many, many people have had traumatic experiences with, that linger with them. And uh, I certainly have that. And in a conscience-oriented way, that's areas of shame and guilt and forgiveness and mm-hmm. the ways that, you know, our, our spiritual life, we wonder if God loves us, if we're beloved, if we're cast off, if we're cast out. I'm a person who can struggle with assurance. Mm-hmm. I'm thankful for how the old timers made a distinction between faith and assurance. We're saved by faith, not our assurance of it, they said. Mm-hmm. Mm. I feel very grateful for that. The way we would say it today is I don't always, we don't often, we don't always feel the truth of the promise. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then my, my family, there's just biologically in my family line, a melancholy and a depression that runs throughout my older relatives. And so all of those things combined lead me to need to give thanks that our Lord Jesus is uh, a savior for the sorrowing. There he is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and Spurgeon said it this way, sometimes when we're in our depression, the cross doesn't help us. And what he meant by that is in, the, in an immediate experiential way, we can't grasp what the cross is supposed to mean for us. And he said, sometimes the resurrection of Jesus doesn't help us in an immediate way. Of course, ultimately, they are what anchor us. But experientially, when we're in our depression, we can't grasp it. And so... Spurgeon said, sometimes we need the garden of Gethsemane. We, sometimes we need the fellow friend who suffered. Sometimes we need the, the one who suffered mental depression, who, who sweat like blood uh, amid the great stress in the garden. I have found that a great comfort to not only meditate on the, the resurrection and coming again of our Savior, not only to meditate on the cross and the merits of the cross, but also to meditate on the fellow friend uh, in the garden of betrayal, being betrayed uh, personally, being betrayed generationally, culturally, and ultimately feeling 
the absence of his father, God the Father himself, experientially in that moment. How kind that God would reveal himself to us in that way and uh, give us his friendship and his sympathy in that way. And then Spurgeon said also how strong it is because there in the Garden of Gethsemane, we, we don't have a general, he said, who sits at the back and sends the soldiers forward. Uh, we have a general who goes first, who goes at the front of the line and charges into the darkness and uh, leads the way. And so the sorrowing have a savior, he said. And I have found that a great comfort, especially sometimes when we're surrounded by Job's friends, well-meaning God talkers who say true things, but in all the wrong ways and at all the wrong time, thinking they know the whole story, uh, but they don't. And so it's been a great strength and encouragement to look Mm. at Jesus that way. Mm. In this last year since we last spoke, Zach, we've not only heard from people who are going through hard times, and there's a litany of reasons they've lost their job or things happen with their children or their friends or relatives or whatever. We've talked to a lot of pastors who've seen infighting in their church, and it just grieves them. One pastor telling me just only recently that he sat down five months ago with a family in his church who pleaded for help, and they were wanting counsel, but they were all sick, and he ended up getting COVID himself. Mm -hmm. And now he's a long hauler, Mm -hmm. and he has difficulty sleeping at night. Where do we find Christ today when we're at war with our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ? How do we overcome that? the bitterness, the infighting in churches among believers that we've been seeing. And and I'm not just talking about because of COVID. There's there's lots of reasons that one could point to. Yeah, I, it's really, really a heartbreaking time, isn't it? As uh, earnest, earnest believers, earnest followers of Jesus, trying to follow, follow him the best they know and finding themselves at odds with one another. So many of Paul's letters had to do with Christians in conflict with one another. Mm -hmm. And while that's not a happy thought, or Christians have always had trouble relating to one another, but it is a reminder that because because Jesus saved us, it doesn't mean that suddenly we're good. (laughs) We're, we're, We're reconciled, we're forgiven, we're beloved, but he's the one who's good. And mm. we're, we, still, we still have so much to learn and grow in. Our love grows cold when things get hard. Jesus said that that would be the way it would, would be in Matthew 24. Mm-hmm. And so what do we do when our love grows cold? And so these New Testament letters, sometimes I, we, we go back to them and we, we, we tell ourselves, okay, we're, we're, we're meant to be uh, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. And whatever position we're going to come to have a conviction about, even if we differ on that, the one thing we know for sure, with one another, we're meant to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Zach Eswine, a pastor, a seminary professor, somebody who understands going through depression and wrote Spurgeon's Sorrows. Would you lead us all in prayer right now? Kind, kind, merciful holy, strong, steadfast Savior, 
We thank you for your tears in the garden. We thank you for your advocacy on the cross. We thank you for your strong power to make death die. And we thank you for your strong and kind, merciful, robust intercession for us right now. We thank you that you are coming again. You are our King, our lovely Lord. We praise you. We ask now by your Spirit, you would anchor and steady everyone listening with the wisdom that's from above. We ask it in your name. Amen. Amen. This is Haven Today, and I'm Charles Morris in a program called Christ in the Darkness. And we just heard a song by Jay Stalker called Ever Faithful from his Quietly album. 
that we still have for your gift to Haven today. And just before we have to go, I want to say that it was really good to catch up with Zach Hesswine again today. Every time I talk to him, he ministers to me personally. And I know his book will minister to you or someone you love who perhaps suffers from depression or anxiety. It's called Spurgeon's Sorrows, Realistic Hope for Those Who Suffer from Depression. Instead of offering simple cure-all formulas, this book addresses the nature of depression with compassion and understanding. And Zach does this through the lens of Spurgeon's life. Yes, even the great prince of preachers was a person like you and me who struggled with depression. This is not a self-help book, but rather a helpful note that'll show you there is hope in Christ Jesus for those struggling. Would you call us right now? And The number you can call is 800-654-2836. That's 1-800-65-HAVEN. Make your gift and ask for a copy of either Spurgeon's Sorrows or the Quietly album. Our web address is haventoday.org, haventoday.org. And while you're there on our website, listen to samples from the album, and you can download the first chapter of Spurgeon's Sorrows for free. I'm Charles Morris. Thank you so much for joining me. Won't you come back again next time, when again we get to share together the great story. It's all about Jesus, here on Haven Today. Here for your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. Yuck, I don't like lasagna. Sweetheart, you've never had lasagna. I don't like it. You don't know that until you try it. Please, just try it. You know, I can't even count the number of times I've had that conversation with my kids, even when they were little. It can be exasperating. If they'd just taste it, they'd love it. But that's the catch. How can you love what you've never tasted? Psalm 34 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in Him. So let me ask you, do you hunger after God? Jesus once described Himself as the living bread. So we need to taste and see that the Lord is good. Get started with Anchor Devotional today. Visit GetAnchor.com.